0: You're listening to the Lydia Project Conversations with Christian Women. My name's Tori Walker, and this is episode 35. In today's episode, I chat with Jen Logan, who runs a production company that is seeking to engage people with Christian ideas through various types of artistic expression. You can probably hear from the way I'm talking about it, that this whole idea of engagement and artistic expression is way out of my comfort zone. It's not something I regularly chat about or have even the language to really talk about very well. I love art, but I'm certainly not sophisticated in the way I talk about it or appreciate it. Um, But I love talking with Jen because she was very well thought out about why and how art is important to us as people. And as Christian people, she's a really deep thinker. She's able to express her ideas so eloquently in her beautiful British accent. And I just love the way she was able to chat about her art and her appreciation of art and her understanding of art in culture today, Um, as well as she was able to just casually give a brief biblical theology of art, which I found really fascinating. So I think you're gonna enjoy listening to my conversation with her. I actually first met Jen via Skype last year when I went down to Sydney for Anglican Deaconess Ministries award ceremony. The Lydia Project was shortlisted for an award and so was Jen's production company, but she was um, beaming in from Skype. She was the only person who wasn't there in person. And she gave a really good explanation of what she was hoping to achieve and was actually the overall winner, winning quite a generous amount of grant money for her production company. Then a couple of days later, she messaged me on Facebook and said, are you, you know, Tori Walker, are you, did you used to be called Tori Hill and did you used to go to St. Clement's? And it still didn't click because, of course, she's got a married name as well now. And it turns out, after a bit of back and forth, that she actually, used to be a little 12-year-old junior youth grouper when I was 18, 19 as a leader and I completely did not even recognise her. Partly we both had different names but also she had just really grown up in a beautiful way. So it was really fun to put those two people I knew together. Jen, I would like to welcome you to the Lydia Project. It's great to be able to have this chat with you and I feel more technologically informed than I was before we tried this Skype chat. (laughs) So that's a good thing. Um, Now I'd love to ask you the question that I ask everyone to start with and that is how did you come to faith in Christ or grow significantly in him?
1: Yeah so I had quite a mixed faith childhood I would say in as much as there's quite a lot of different influences, uh, religious influences. So I went to a Catholic primary school and then went to Sunday school at the Anglican church where my mom worked. And then on Saturdays, we were part of, well, my father was part of a sort of Eastern inspired religious sect called the School of Philosophy at the time. We would spend the day on Saturdays there with them doing lots of different kind of sort of religious ritual activities. And I think, so I spent a lot of my childhood in one religious context or another. But I think that I would now look back on that and say that that was quite a, in some ways quite an enriching experience to have that kind of diversity. But at the time it created for me a kind of crisis of faith eventually, or a crisis of, of truth probably would be a better way to put it. So that by the time I was in my late teens, I was really just unsure about what in the mix of all of this was actually true and reliable. And how did I understand myself in, in that context? So, you know, who was I and who am I accountable to, you know, be it God or, or, or someone else? What do I need to do to be okay um, spiritually, psychologically, whatever? And I think it was working through conversations. Initially, it was working through conversations with people who had the kind of uh, academic credibility to answer my questions about the historical reliability of the Gospels and, and Scripture in general that, gave me my first sort of baby steps into my own kind of faith in in, in Jesus um, and letting go of the other things that I'd sort of been influenced by but I think there was a number of different things beyond that that really compelled me to the faith and I think that for me it did feel intuitively like the message of Christianity in, in, the, in the terms of the, you know, the atonement, the thing that, that redeems us, seemed to be the solution to the obvious problem of humanity that you can see all around you. It seemed to be the solution that fitted the weight of the problem. Yes, it does feel like something or someone needs to die. It does feel at least like something needs to die within me. Um, everything else just didn't feel like the solution was as weighty as the problem if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I also felt yes. that, that the solution, it did seem to me that whatever the solution was, it did need to come out from outside of ourselves. It couldn't be something that I could generate myself or enter into myself, or I couldn't i couldn't be my the source of my own enlightenment um, mm. or salvation or whatever language you put on it. And mm. I think, and then I think, you know, like probably m- most people, what compelled me more than anything else, if I'm honest, is that there were people in my life who were Christians whose goodness was so compelling to me that I didn't want to resist also belonging to the God that they belonged to and the God Mm -hmm. that they were being formed by into such incredible people. Yeah, so I I think that and, and then obviously just probably like most people, just the beauty and wonder of the person of Christ is pretty hard to go past for anyone who's given it seri- him serious attention, I think. Yeah. I actually thought
0: you were going to say the beauty and wonder of creation um, because I don't know why. I was just, I, I was thinking that's where you might have gone as an artist appreciating all things beautiful. But, um, yeah, of course, the beauty of Christ is very compelling indeed. I just mentioned you are an artist and doing some really interesting work in the artistic field that I really want to ask you lots about. But before we talk about that, why is art important to humanity?
1: That's a good question because I think it's a question that I have thought is, I've been surprised by how much that question needs to be asked, I would say. And that's because if if I just to a- take answering that question from my own sort of personal story, I think I've noticed in myself over the years that I thought I had the answer to that, that art is important because art reaches the deep parts of a person it reaches more of the person than just words often do for example emotionally or in in more holistic sense yeah including that but yeah holistically and it can often cut through someone might have say for example rational barriers to something that art can break like reach beneath that to get to the person and and sort of compel them or take hold of them because art Art, it, obviously art is more than just appealing to the rational mind. It is appealing to all of the senses and and the emotions and all of that. And, and that's often an answer that people give to what is the value of art. But even though that was my sort of stock thinking about um, art, that it was it was that powerful, and of course, if that is the power of art, then that is pretty important for Christian engagement. But even though I've had that, I think... I've often behaved as though the opposite was true. You get instances where, for example, a child will go into a school in, in America and commit a horrible, you know, hideous shooting incident. And they'll look back at the lifestyle of that child in the months leading up to that incident. And in some cases, they've seen that people have spent you know, all hours playing highly violent video games. And then the criticism comes, this is what has influenced this child, perhaps among other things, but this has certainly been a key player in influencing this child towards this violent act. And yet the game makers and other people come forward and say, look, it's just a piece of art, it's just a piece of visual fantasy. How could it possibly affect the way someone behaves in real life? So I think we have this kind of confused thinking where we think art is really powerful, we speak about art being very powerful, but our behaviours, including my own, haven't always been a direct correlate of, of that view, if that makes sense. Yeah, it
0: does make sense.
1: Thank you. So, yes, you've answered, yeah,
0: like really helpfully why, why art is important. And then can you develop a bit more why you think at the moment it's important to retain that emphasis on Christians expressing their faith through art?
1: I, that is such a great question. And I think there's so many ways that you can uh, approach that. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah, art, art has historically played um, a huge role in, in communication. And there's so many. Yeah. So, OK, let me start with one thing. The Christian faith is deeply ethical and deeply part of that is that how inclusive the Christian faith is. It's for everybody. We often can think about art today as being sort of for the elite it's inscrutable, it's incomprehensible, and it's just for an elite group of people that are literate within the high, the world of high art. But traditionally, art has actually been something that's very much for everybody, because most people were illiterate. When we speak about art, we're not just speaking about sort of high art, even though I think that's important as well. We're speaking about all of the arts. But when you think about the relationship between Christianity and, and the arts, it's, it's a bit broken and fractured in this particular moment in history, but it hasn't always been so. And it also doesn't make sense for it to be fractured because I would argue that Christianity of all religious traditions makes the most sense in relation to art. For, and that's from almost any starting point that you want to take. So if we start with, for example, the Trinity, the Trinity gives us a kind of, a kind of cosmic validation of beauty. Because as opposed to so many other worldviews, we have at the absolute foundation of reality three persons who exist in perfect harmony and unity, where there is distinction without any kind of violence or desire or attempt to conquer the other. They exist in perfect distinction from each other and yet in perfect unity. And what that gives us is the validation that at the heart of reality there is peace and at the heart of reality there is is harmony and these are attributes of of beauty. So you have that as as a starting point, but then, of course, we get to the incarnation and the incarnation is the word made flesh. So we have this absolute affirmation of the communication of the divine through material form. And then in relation to our scriptures, I think we've probably all had it told to us that the text of scripture is rich in its literary art form. So you have poetry and history narratives and songwriting and wonderfully crafted letters and so forth. But even within the story itself within the Bible, so going beyond the text into the actual story itself, we see so much art is involved in in our own faith story, beginning with with creation itself so of course creation itself is god's (laughs) um ultimate work of art but (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. but even in the description of the way that god created we see something artistic because as we know the the genesis account isn't just a statement of the fact of creation it's not just saying by the way it was god that created all of this And, and by the way here's a sort of index of all the things he created it's a it's a poem describing the act of creation, so it's a speech act or a performance of God in the very act of creating. So it's it's an artwork. The process of creating the ultimate artwork of creation is itself presented to us in Scripture as as an artistic moment. And then you go through and you have well, <laughs> you could say God is the first fashion designer because He gave Adam and Eve clothing to cover their shame, um, and and then that that fashion design works itself out into quite sort of. Ornate designs for the priestly garb and so forth. You have this complex aesthetic program of gods in the setup of the temple structure, and um, you know those those Bible passages that people use to read. I their books do and they want know. To sleep, you know those ones. <laughs> I've actually just finished reading through uh,
0: Exodus and Leviticus, and yes, there is a lot of detail, and it is
1: highly organized and
0: deliberate, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's like yeah, he's often used as as an example of a go-to passage if you want to fall asleep, if you have you know if you've got insomnia. I, I find it so affirming of you know for people who are in these professions to see the level of concern God has about the color choices and the dimensions of things. I think is wonderfully affirming, and of course that speaks to the fact that. You know, God is Lord of everything. And so everything that people are doing, whatever professions people are in or whatever vocations or activities people are involved in, all of it is of interest and value to God. And I think you see that, that role model. I mean, you could go on, but in Scripture itself, the point is that you see art is, is present everywhere. And, you know, the, the, the performed signs of the prophets, which a performed sign is just ancient terminology for what we today call performance art. So, that, so there's art all the way through. God isn't just speaking through through text, but through art form plays a huge role in both the life and the expression of God and his um, community. Jen, that is
0: just a much richer answer than I've ever thought of or heard. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. So I want you to tell me now a bit about fur, your... Mm-hmm production company and what it
1: is and what your aims are for it i feel i should always say with fur that it's not an acronym <laughs> because right. any any christian um endeavor that's got three letters is usually an acronym and i <laughs> and um <laughs> so it's spelled f-e-r in latin means i don't speak any latin by the way so i don't want to give off the false impression that i do um, i don't read or speak it but i do happen to know that fur in latin means that which carries And for us, that's a helpful name because we're about communicating Christianity through art Um, and everything that we do is about, not just about personal artistic expression or... um, Yeah, it's it's very, very focused on carrying the message of Christianity and the the worldview of Christianity through art. And And there's... It's a lovely word. And since we're a visual <laughs> arts project, it's good that the, I like the look of the word. I think that's of course, me too. I've got it out
0: It is a nice word.
1: <laughs> it was born out of my study. So when I did, as I said before, I did an undergraduate in theology. And it was at that point that I started to realise that I didn't want to go into pure academia and I didn't want to become a pastor or a vicar. And they were the two roots, at, you know, the the, the obvious roots out of Bible college. and I, But I did start to feel I, I am very passionate about communicating Christianity, but I am finding myself more and more wanting to do it through art forms. And every theological concept that I was working through would lend itself to a different art form, so there wasn't one specific art form. And then I went on to do a Master's in Christianity in the Arts, and it was from there that I realised there's a sort of second arm um, to what I was wanting to do. So the first one is, is, is actually communicating Christianity through artwork. So there is text involved, but so for example, we've got theology through fashion. And in that sense, it's not theology of fashion or theology about fashion, it is theology through fashion. So the garments themselves get to be the voice theologically. So that's one arm of it. Of it. But when I went to do my masters, I realized that there was another arm to it, which is actually communicating Christianity itself as art. Um, and that came from, or out of my emerging interest in the relationship between Christianity and performance art, which I alluded to before, looking at it under an, an aesthetic lens, uh, as it were, or an aesthetic metaphor, to see um, Christianity itself as a thing of beauty. Um, and I think that also came out of the fact that when I first became a Christian, I did feel like a kind of The the people I knew who are who are artists or involved in the arts, I think there was a sense of Christianity being something a bit crass and ugly, actually, Um, and Mm. and the ugliness of of Christianity as they perceived it being actually more of a turn off than any ethical concerns with it, or um, you know, or other concerns with it that other people might have. It there there is I think there is a, a rejection of Christianity that is for some people. Almost on artistic terms alone. So I think I think. Can you, sorry, can you flesh that out a bit? What did they see as ugly? It, it was nothing that was ever sort of spoken about explicitly, but I think um, it may have been that religion generally was seen as, as as ugly. But I think I think it was more just a failure of. Um, some, in some cases it was, it, I felt that people just didn't feel that Christianity had any interest in the arts and, the, and, and people who are artists often sort of present as though they are nothing else, they're just artists. You know, they're so, it's so much a part of their identity
0: mm-hmm. that to have
1: a religion that doesn't seem to have any interest in it, um, that in itself is kind of renders it ugly if it's not interested in the arts. Right. Um, if you even just take the, the crucifixion itself, the crucifixion needed to happen because in, under a penal, say, if we stick with the penal substitution model, somebody had to die. As I said, that was, really, that was a really compelling thing for me in my faith journey. Some, something and somebody needed to die to, to, to atone. Um, and, and that has a legal, under the penal substitution model, that has, has, has legal value. Um, Jesus had to die. But the fact that Jesus died on a cross doesn't actually fit into a penal substitution model. Jesus could have died in any way, just so long as he died Mm. for us. But then when you look at the crucifixion itself in the context of Scripture, you see that the crucifixion becomes also a symbolic Thing. It's not to say that it's not got real actual atoning value, but it also has this um, symbolic component to it because it reminds us back of when, you know, the, the raising up of the snake and everyone who looked at the snake lived. There's this idea that Christ is the one that we look to, which is a visual metaphor that we look to for salvation, that we look to for life and, and, and to live. And I think it was just an absence of these kind of ways of talking about and looking at Christianity. Um, as well as a perceived absence of Christians, Christianity's interest in the arts, that itself mm. makes Christianity seem kind of crass and a bit sort of um, philistine to to people I knew who were artists. Mm.
0: Mm. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, I'm
0: wondering whether also some of the words that are associated with religion in general and certainly Christianity are um, d- do seem a bit opposed to the artistic subculture, so institutions, um, organised religion, those kind of um, they do those kind of words do often seem a bit opposed to the more creative
1: subcultures. Yeah, yeah, I think there's something in that definitely, and then I also think that we've got things that we can we can connection uh, connection connect, connection points that we re- can recover as well. So, um, ritual is. It's just a part. It's, it's just an art, an, an art form. Um, so we have got. Um, there's a, there's a lot in our tradition that is artistic practices that um, that particularly millennials today are quite interested in rituals and quite interested in um, in those kinds of things. But but we have to sort of. Um, identify and and utilize and 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 harness those kind of points of connection but I agree with you I think some of our language has been very (laughs) off-putting yeah
0: so I'm I'm also still trying to get my head around the difference between communicating Christianity through art Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: expressing Christianity as art have I got the two things that have I got those two phrases right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, okay. That's, that's a fair question. <laughs> yeah, you <literally laughs> totally said it right. Um, yeah. So, um, so Christianity through art is 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 really just um, trying to. So, so for example, um, there's a number of different ways that Christianity can engage with arts. So for example you could have um, you can develop a theology of a, t- a specific art form so you could say uh, let's, let's take um, architecture you can develop a theology of architecture where somebody writes about what is a Christian perspective on architecture um, and, and and we are doing a little bit of that um, infer but that's not Christianity throughout that's Christian reflection on art, on on a specific Mm -hmm. art form. You could also do something where it's about Christianity in the context of that art form. So it might be that you are um, Christians doing architecture. So, uh, and I'm just speaking completely hypothetically, (laughs) there could be some sort of architectural firm that is explicitly a Christian architectural firm. And what that's doing is saying, architecture is important to God, um, it's a valid profession, um, and we're interested in being. You know, Christians are interested in part, being part of all spheres of culture, including this, and that. And that's that's got. Excuse me, that's got value. But just to do Christianity through art in that situation is to allow the architecture itself to be a voice of Christian theology or worldview, and and so. Just to to conclude the example, we're doing a project in Furcord once within a space. And as well as doing some written stuff, there's quite a bit of written stuff we're doing with that, but what we're doing primarily in that is uh, myself and a a girl who's an uh, an architect based in a firm in London are actually designing a house together. And the house itself is... The primary piece of visual communication, uh, you know, of com- theological communication, and everything written is is supporting it. So it's almost an inversion of what you often see, which is a piece of written theological text, and there may be some pictures that accompany it, um, or some sort of visual form that it accompanies it. So in this case, the primary vehicle for communication is is the art form itself, um, and that's led to some really interesting conversations with her. So we had a, a whole. Debate about where the master bedroom would go that was a theological debate. Um, so it's, it's thinking through the art forms and communicating through them rather than the, the art being a kind of auxiliary component to the theological communication, if that makes sense. Yep, it does.
0: But I think there was another one that you said, or am I missing it? Um, the expressing Christianity as art or that's the house project is that an example okay got it no no so So, so you
1: the the house project is the 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 once within a um space house that we're designing is christianity through art christianity as art is is the sort of second separate component to what we're doing with fur and that is more about exploring this metaphor of looking at christianity not just as um or in whatever terms you want to whatever metaphor you want to look at but looking at it as as art so for example one of the things we focus on is understandably Jesus and looking at you know what if we were to look at Jesus himself as a performance artist if we look uh, at the gospels with that lens you can see that there are some very legitimate ways in which he can be perceived you know he's a teacher we know that he was a rabbi um, he was a prophet Uh, He's lots of different things, but one thing that we could also look at him for for a new fresh perspective on the same historical person is Jesus as a performance artist. Now, of course, he would never be called that because that's a, a contemporary term, but there was the phrase performed signs and he engaged in a lot of that in his ministry. Um, And then, of course, you then look into the church. Well, then, if Jesus is a performance artist, what does that mean for the church, which is his continuing presence on earth? How do we understand ourselves as not just an institution, as you said, as not just, um, you know, a a corporate uh, entity, but as a collaborative artwork and even as a collaborative artist in our Ministry of Reconciliation? Um, So, for example, in in the field of performance art, you have um, one of the one of the components of performance art is relational. It's called relational aesthetics or relational art. Now, I would argue what what could be a more beautiful or what could be a bigger piece of relational artwork to be found than the establishment of the church, which has relationships with people between people who, you know, some of the people were in in in, re- in relationship with through the church don't even exist yet or have already died or live across the world and, and we never see them. But when we come together and we profess Christ and break bread together and drink wine, we are, we are becoming this one body, um, a relational form. So it's, it's a lens upon Christianity that is just one lens, but it's an artistic lens that I think has, um, has, has value for people of artistic sensibility.
0: I get it. Thank you for explaining it. Oh, that's
1: great. <laughs> I, <know. laughs>
0: I do like art, but I'm not artistic. So if I can understand it, I think you've explained it very clearly. Well done. was <laughs> yeah, yeah, a journey so, for me there. Sorry. <laughs>
1: so, Jen, what are your hopes for fur? My hope is quite simple. I, I want to keep making art art that creates opportunities for people to engage with Christianity. And I'd love to see fur play a significant part in a new wave of Christian expression that is deeply integrated within culture and cultural artefacts, one that helps people to appreciate Christianity within an aesthetic register and, and engages the whole person, their, their mind, their senses, their heart. And to that end, I, I want fur to grow because it's not a solo art project. It's it's always about collaborating and I'd love it to grow in that way. And so when you say engage people and, and draw them
0: in, I mean, I, I'm thinking of the word evangelism and how does that fit? Is it, mm.
1: are you
0: using a more gentle word there or are you, I mean, you know, more than engagement, I'm, I'm guessing your hope is that people would come to love Jesus like you do and put their trust in him either directly through their engagement with a fur artwork or through, you know, subsequent relationships or further exploration that they might be involved in.
1: Oh, totally, totally. And, I mean, yeah, it's evangelistic in terms of what what drives me is wanting people to know Jesus I was compelled by him. I want other people to be compelled by him. I was saved by him. I want other people to be saved by him. But I don't use the word evangelistic well, in this context, of course. Let's talk about evangelism. I'm totally comfortable with that. But in terms of, you know, on our website and so forth, I wouldn't use that. Yeah. Because as we both know, evangelism is a is a, a wonderful thing but has so many negative connotations that I think it's a, a whole massive project of recovering the, the goodness of that word that mm. isn't part of, my remit to recover Mm. that word so I'm happy Mm. to just let it go let somebody else do the recovery job on that word um and in the meantime (laughs) I'll just crack on with other words um but 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 also I think it's probably true to say that in a sense we're pre-evangelistic in as much as it, we're very explicit about being Christian. I mean, it, it would be hard to articulate ourselves if it's theology and Christian worldview throughout. It'd be hard to articulate that without admitting that we're Christian. So there's, there's nothing in us that's wanting to avoid admitting being Christian. But so someone could engage with um, one of our projects and they will get, each project will have, give them some kind of taster of Christian worldview, Christian ethics, the acts an engagement with the christian community or perhaps the christian story but there's no one artwork that is actually saying jesus was sent by god to earth he died for you he's your only way to salvation you need to say a sinner's prayer but or whatever you know i don't mean to put it in in cross terms but but there's nothing that does that so it's not evangelistic in that sense but i think it's, it's evangelistically motivated because it is about give, creating access points for people um, where I think, especially in our culture where people think they already know the gospel, there needs to be another way into, to draw them into the faith that, of course, the end point is, or not even the end point, but, but a point in that journey is to actually understand the gospel but these projects that we're working on at the moment aren't necessarily, aren't actually trying to do that. They're trying to um, weave Christianity into the, the cultural artefacts and the context of people where they're at. So that someone might, for example, engage with one who's in a space because they're an architect. And they're interested in seeing, oh, what, what does this other worldview have to say about my field? And that could be an access point for them.
0: Absolutely and the art that I mean I've had a look on your website where you can access a few of the artworks I mean the artworks themselves are so engaging and so beautiful as art which I'm sure is your hope and desire for them so I can appreciate how people will be drawn to them and then you know their intention might not be as directors, architects wanting to find that, you know, how theology might work itself out in a particular architectural work, but
1: mm. you know they might
0: be drawn to them because they're interesting or beautiful, and and then learn learn some things or be intrigued by some things along the way as well.
1: Yeah, I that's that's the very that's better than I've articulated my hope for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: really interesting, and I'm sure if people are interested, they can go and check out your website, which is firproduction.com. But just to finish up, and I know it's sort of changing tack a little bit, but can you just share with us something that is encouraging you at the moment or helping you stand firm or growing Christ at the moment?
1: It might sound like a (laughs) non-answer, but I think what's helping me keep going as a Christian is kind of just keeping going as a Christian, if that makes sense. At the moment for me it's just kind of turning up to the Christian communities, which I do in London for a small church of about 30 people, we all live sort of hyper-locally to each other. The house that I live in is shared on a plot with two other houses that have various different people from our church live in it, and we all share the garden. And I think it's that primarily that is helping me to grow as a Christian. And in a sense, that's saying, you know, it's nothing that's like an inspiring moment. It's more just the daily commitment to live in a Christian community. What that gives me is regular access in the most ordinary context of my life to people who have elements of goodness and sanctification that I need to learn from they're just wonderful people but also they're fallen broken people like me as well so the the proximity of living in that community with them also gives me regular as well as them but regular opportunities to sort of flex forgiveness muscles and and grow in that way because we bump up against each other a lot something I've been thinking about Recently, as well, is and this to quickly tie it into the art thing, is that art does provide a lot of inspiration. It's a it's a huge, powerful um, vehicle for inspiring people. But it also provides, you know, as I said before, ritual is a form of is an art form, and ritual is actually often very boring and mundane things that you just do repetitively. And I think I'm finding that the things that I do that change me the most are actually the most boring things, inspirational things have their own impact but the routine just daily obedience of breaking bread with people of living in community of listening to scripture a scripture that has a powerful message for me that i need to hear over and over again sometimes feels boring in fact Mm -hmm. but i find that those things are more transformative to me than big inspirational wow moments jen thank you so much it's been Beautiful to talk to you.
0: Um, Thank you so much for answering all those questions. I'm sure I could just ask you, um, you know, did you put the bin out and I'd get an elegant answer from you. So awesome (laughs) to um, be able to chat to you. (laughs) Oh no, I'm sure there'd be some kind of embracing and ritual <laughs> and symbolism in there. <laughs> I love it. No, it's great, Jen. It's not the way I normally think or talk. So it's been so great to hear you express thank all you. these ideas. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And yeah, wish you all the best with FERP. And thank you for you, this is the project.
1: Thank you so much, Tori.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by the Gospel Coalition Australia and the music is brought to you by Dave Depper. We would love to know what you thought about this episode, so feel free to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Thank you so much to those people who have commented on iTunes. We really appreciate your positive review. Personally, I loved reading them. It's Great to get that encouragement, but far more significantly, it helps other people to discover the podcast and get good content in their ears. Yeah, and if this podcast uh, made you think of someone in your world who might appreciate listening to it, feel free to share it with them. You can uh, share the Facebook page, you can send the link to them in a message, or I think, depending on which um, app you use to listen to your podcasts, Sometimes there's a little share button up the top and you can just send the link straight to a friend. So feel free to do that. That'd be great. We'd love it. And stay tuned until the next episode. Bye.